0: it's 49ers cut back podcast time welcome to the show everyone on further review which means i reviewed the film and now i got a clearer picture on how exactly the san francisco 49ers went about beating the washington commanders you can learn so much from film it was one of my favorite things to do uh when i coach and you just get clear pictures on how guys are playing but a clear sense on how your team is performing Because you call plays and then they're executed on the field. You really have no control over how your team executes or even how the opposing team chooses to play against uh, whatever play you determine to call. So going out there and actually seeing uh, the things that happen from your calls, the execution, the way defenses are approaching your execution on offense, or if you're on defense, the way an offense is looking to attack your defense and try to signal what your weaknesses are. That way you can go back and correct them. One of the keys for the San Francisco 49ers now that they've secured the number one seed in the playoffs is to just get better. That means just tighten some nuts and bolts, uh, figure some things out that you're just not executing maybe the way that you want to, and work on those things. And the way that you do that is by examining what you're doing on the field, seeing what areas you need to improve, and then making sure you go out there and improve them. Now the good news for the 49ers was, the Washington Commanders kind of took the formula that the Baltimore Ravens looked to employ and used areas of it uh, in their game plan. And this is something I talked about during the week last week as I expected the San Francisco 49ers to face a similar-looking defense. Now, when you're talking about the Washington Commanders, they don't have the talent that the Baltimore Ravens do. So, yes, there are some of players we're not going to be able to execute it as well as Baltimore. But what it was was a good opportunity for the 49ers to go against that defensive look again to see some of the things maybe they struggled with to attack areas of the defense maybe they couldn't or weren't able to against Baltimore because they weren't prepared for what Baltimore threw their way it's just an interesting dynamic that you're gonna see those defenses again now the good news is you have preparation time you can get better you can work on those areas Baltimore maybe uh, made you struggle with and then when you get to the divisional round you will have a week to prepare for your opponent. You'll be capable. You'll be fixed. You'll have figured out everything that you needed to work on, and now you'll be ready to figure out what you need to do to stop your opponent. One of the advantages, not only do you get to get healthy, but you get to get right. You get to get everything that you want to do on and defense in the right accord. You get to button up some of those mistakes that you maybe had. And it's a great time to be a 49er fan because there's not that many mistakes. Really, they played a pretty clean game against the Washington Commanders. Now, in this episode... I will give coaching points, which means there's going to be positives, there's going to be negatives. It's just the way it is. When you watch film, uh, you either executed at a high level on that play or you didn't, and it's all about consistency. If you executed at that level uh, more times than you didn't, then you still monitor the the bad plays or the plays you didn't make, uh, but you don't let that define your performance. Your performance is defined by the consistent play that you had. So that's what you're going to get in this episode. hope you guys all enjoy Is upon further review, 40 yards versus commanders. And please like and subscribe to the channel on the push for 5k, getting real close, uh, under 200 subscribers away. So you can be a big reason why I hit 5k and meet my goal of 5k before the end of the year. So thank you so much. If you're listening on audio platform, 40 yards cut back on believe, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Guys, truly are the best. And if you're going to bet, and you're going to bet on the last regular season game of the year or maybe you're looking to bet in the playoffs bet with bet online. The NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, bet online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering in- information anytime. Head there today and get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I'm going to start this one on offense. And I thought that the offense needed to get back in rhythm. And that's what I talked about last week in my game preview show. I said, hey, it's all about getting back in rhythm. It's all about getting back to playing 49ers football. That was going to be the key. That was what they needed to do. It wasn't so much about establishing a run game, winning the run game battle. It wasn't about getting Brock Purdy back off uh, to a good start after the negativity and the the mistakes that he had uh, befall on him against the Baltimore Ravens. That wasn't what it was. It was just about getting this offense clicking, making sure they executed at a high level. And even if you didn't execute at the highest level, it was a place to build off. Getting something going on offense would trend in the right direction so thought when you got to the divisional round of the playoffs, after having these extra weeks of practice, you would be prepared for whichever opponent you face. And I thought the 49ers did that. I thought they found a rhythm in this game. I know it didn't result in the normal 30 points per game. They did get 27. And going forward on fourth down down near the goal line prevented them from getting that 30 mark. But I thought they executed at a, a, a really high level with over 180 yards rushing on the ground. Brock Purdy... You know, broke Jeff Garcia's franchise record uh, for yards through the air. So uh, both both aspects of the 49ers offense was absolutely clicking. And so what made it go like that? What made them get back into rhythm? Well, I just felt like this was a complete game plan from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he was using his motion, motions and shifts, uh, moving people around. And I found it interesting in this game how aggressive Washington was being with those motions. And we had seen something like this kind of before the 49ers had played Philadelphia teams were being hyper aggressive with their motions, And then they were outflanking them on the outside. Well, what you saw was over the last couple of weeks, Arizona Baltimore uh, was a little bit different. So what Washington did was take some things that worked against the 49ers from the Cleveland Browns game. And so on when they had their losing streak and some things that Baltimore Ravens, and Arizona Cardinals were trying and try to use those against the 49ers. And it had some success at times. But what we saw was Kyle Shanahan and this offense continue to grow, continue to develop, and continue to adjust as the game progressed. They just kept finding ways to establish the run game, ways to get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands quickly, find those avenues in the zone where he could get his receivers open. They did a pretty good job moving the football pretty consistently in this game. And part of the reason they did was they were getting Debo involved. And with both the run game and screens, I don't think we've seen Debo Samuel run the ball this much. Maybe the Monday night game against the New York Giants, uh, or was that Thursday night game against the New York Giants? Potentially 2021. I mean, we just haven't seen Debo uh, use this much. He was running, he was running counters, he was running reverses, he had tosses out of the backfield, uh, he was catching quick bubble screens. It was a full array of Debo Samuel, and he was still catching the ball down the field as well, but uh, Kyle Shanahan was like, oh, okay, you're going to pack the middle again. This is something the team started doing. Baltimore started doing it, making Brock Purdy consistently beat them outside the numbers. Sure, do that. Did that against Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, this isn't the same offense, but we still know how to beat it. And getting the ball in Debo's hands out in space is the ultimate goal for any football team, uh, let alone the 49ers, because Debo Samuel's an absolute problem. And one of the most interesting plays in this game was Debo's push-pass touchdown. It's the first touchdown of the game for the 49ers. And on that play, Debo's coming in motion. And Christian McCaffrey goes in front of the quarterback, Brock Purdy. And you can see, uh, I, I froze it. I did a breakdown over on Patreon of that play and all the plays from the first half of offense. Those are all available on Patreon right now. Um, But you see McCaffrey and Debo on each side of Brock Purdy as they're converging, and you see the linebackers having to make a choice. And if you guess wrong and you make the wrong choice, probably going to be a touchdown. And so what happened is because you had those two players converging into the same area, you had players that had to make decisions, and the linebackers decided they were going to go with Christian McCaffrey, that was the wrong choice. The edge defender, he has to freeze and make sure that uh, Debo Samuel doesn't get around him. That was the wrong choice because Debo did get around him. And once he got there, Charlie Warner made a great block on the edge to seal it and get him into the end zone. But uh, that was just the conflict that Kyle Shanahan created by getting Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey going into the same direction. I'd like to see more of it. And I saw a couple other plays, including a tidbit I left uh, for my Patreon listeners of a play that can come off what they're running. They are setting things up for the playoffs that are going to be huge. Uh, they're giving teams looks right now that are going to develop into something else where they can get the ball to McCaffrey or they can get the ball to Debo and put the defense in a real state of uh, conflict where they have to decide which way they want to go. That's exactly what you want to do in a run game because the way the 49ers run their zone scheme, uh, you go you know, left or right, and you get a lot of bodies and a lot of movement going that way. And right now, teams are being aggressive and going with it. Well, if you can establish that you have the capabilities to go back the other way, then they have to trail, or the backside defenders have to stay home. And if that's the case, then it opens a lane for a cutback. You run to the left, boom, that creates that lane cutback to the right for a huge gape, that gaping hole. That's how you go from getting plays that, Stay on schedule, three, four, five yards, two big explosive plays of 15-20 because you start making defenders stay home. You make them defend for area. You open extra gaps, and that just starts steamrolling for your offense. So I love what Kyle Shanahan is doing using those two guys in the run game and in the passing game. It was very fun to see. They were taking advantage of Washington's aggressiveness in the second half. Uh that was on display. You would get Elijah Mitchell. They said him motioning to the left side on one particular play, and Washington safety and linebacker flew downhill to take it away. And the forty yards went the other way. Um, it was just. It was really good to see Kyle Shanahan get into his adjustments, figure out exactly what uh, they were trying to do to him, and once he figured out what Ron Rivera was trying to do scheme wise. What he was trying to do as far as sending personnel, they kept flying guys up, running uh, inverted cover two, uh, saw a bunch of different things, some cover six. And once they figured out what they were doing consistently, they started taking advantage of it. And you've seen the 49ers really take advantage using Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Elijah Mitchell ran the ball uh, more than we've seen him all year. He rushed for over 80 yards on 16 carries, Uh, 14.7 yards per carry. He did a really good job in this game. And what we saw from Elijah Mitchell was some of that bully mentality, right? In 2019, the big conversation was 49ers are playing bully ball. They're running people over. And you saw a little bit of a return to that. The 49ers definitely had a run game going The Christian McCaffrey earlier. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. And Elijah Mitchell was right there with them. So 49ers were taking advantage of the run game. But I thought that that third quarter really established the 49ers' for the rest of the game. They were going to be able to get downhill, be aggressive, take it right to them. And we saw a running back in Elijah Mitchell that had the ability to go outside. He had the ability to go sneak through little tiny holes, uh, but the ability to make people miss as well in space. It was a great performance from Elijah Mitchell. And one thing I took notice to is there are some big plays in this game that Elijah Mitchell are a part of in the passing game as well. If you notice the play I talked about earlier, uh, them going after Elijah Mitchell, that's them reading him and fearing him that in the passing game because there was an empty backfield. And then there's another play. The big throw to Brandon Ayuk over the top, right? Brock Purdy puts it just over the defender's hands. It's a spectacular throw. Elijah Mitchell holds the defender in the flat by going out and running a route. I think there's an ability for the 49ers to stick with their offense when Elijah Mitchell's in the game. And I think that something that can't be ignored 49ers need a running back too and this is the problem with elijah mitchell though is health but when he's healthy he gives the 49ers the ability to say okay christian mccaffrey's out he needs a break elijah mitchell can run the complete playbook elijah mitchell can go out for passes and beat people in the in the in the passing game he can protect the quarterback uh when he's asked to in pass protection he can run the football consistently he can play screens he can block well He just gives you so much ability because he's well-versed and he's well-rounded. And we've seen this guy play really well in his rookie season. He's a guy that we trust with the football in his hands. He doesn't fumble. He doesn't turn the ball over. There's no reason to not like or want Elijah Mitchell being uh, running back to for this football team. So I thought that was really big and jumped out on film to me was the ability of Elijah Mitchell to continue this offense without having to make wholesale changes. It no longer has to be Debo in the backfield take over for Christian McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell can do that. Uh, Yes, you still want to sprinkle in Debo. That's one of the main goals of any offensive scheme, any offensive game plan is to get Debo involved. Uh, But now you have Elijah Mitchell, and he can do a really good job, and you don't have to change anything up. You don't have to go against your game plan that you wanted to run. You can keep it the same. Is he going to do it as well as Christian McCaffrey? No, Christian McCaffrey is a Hall of Fame caliber football player, the offensive player of the year. Uh, but Elijah Mitchell is nice to have as a number two. He's clutch. He runs physical. Um, so he he's really good to have on your team. I thought Brock looked good. And, you know, anytime that you're breaking down a quarterback, you're going to find some things that maybe, you know, uh, could have went better. But with Brock, I thought he was very consistent. Uh, once again, he was throwing with anticipation. There were some throws he made that were spectacular. He was making really good reads. Um, to me, he did a good job. The improvisation was there. So, yeah, Brock Purdy looked like Brock Purdy. I thought Brock Purdy was definitely making sure he was more careful with the football in this game compared to what he did against the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm hoping that uh, what happened in the second half with him going out there and being a little bit of a gunslinger and throwing that ball to Brandon Ayuk, right, where he escapes the pocket, rolls to the right, points for him to go to the left and throws it. It was a spectacular play, but I hope that he continues to want to do those types of things Uh, The way IU talked in the presser was that, hey, this is something he's going to continue to do, that he's just that dude. He's just going to keep throwing the football and not let these problems get to him. Um, I thought that was really huge. So uh, to me, I thought Brock looked good. I thought he made clutch reads and he made clutch throws. And how much more can you ask from Brock Purdy? Now, just like I told you, there's going to be coaching points, and there was a couple of times where Brock Purdy was maybe a little bit confused by the coverage. He had one opportunity— where he could add Debo Samuel for a touchdown. I'm not sure he was confused by the coverage, uh, but I think he felt pressure, and there was no pressure. He started to step up, and he almost ran into Spencer Burford, and then he rolled to the right, and they couldn't get anything going, and he threw the ball away. It's unfortunate because Debo Samuel broke free into the back of the end zone. Now, I don't know at what point uh, Debo Samuel was in the progression, but what I do know is if Brock had his eyes up in that category because he brought his eyes down, he would have saw Debo and been able to get the ball him in the end zone. There was a breakdown in coverage and Debo got open. Uh, That's just one case. And I always take into account what the, what the play is, what the progression is. And yes, he, he, it was probably the play breaking down, but I think that's the expectation now from Brock Purdy, right? That he makes those kinds of plays. Uh, Don't want to hold it over him. I think that's something he'll look at on film and be like, Hey, I, I should have made a better play. I can do better. That's just one of the coaching points. The other one was he made a misread in coverage, On the throw, he made to Ronnie Bell along the sidelines. Everyone will remember that. It was a third and long situation, and he whipped the ball out there to Ronnie Bell, and the ball got knocked away. Everyone said, hey, that's a special team's cornerback, which doesn't matter. He plays in the NFL, right? Uh, But I thought that on that play, I wanted to see if there was anyone open. And sure enough, what happened was he made a misread. They got to give credit to the Washington Commanders. They adjusted uh, just as the ball was being snapped and they went into an inverted cover two on one side, and they ran a cover four on the other, so it was a cover six. They did a really good job of kind of enticing Brock Purdy uh, to look to the three-receiver side. The problem was, on the two-receiver side, he had George Kittle up the seam for a big play. With it being the inverted cover two, the safety came up, he took away the flats, and that left George Kittle one-on-one with a cornerback who had the deep half. And because of that, he took a deep drop, uh, it was open up the seam because he was playing outside in, and Brock just didn't see him, and he threw the ball to Ronnie Bell. That uh, even that middle safety, I think he thought the middle safety was going to sit on George Kittle, but he didn't. He flew over. He flew to that side of the hash mark. He had Kittle up the seam. It could have been a big play, um but those things happen. Those are just minor mistakes. Things he's going to learn from. But those are coaching points that I like to point out because. You just got to continue to grow. And I know Brock Purdy's going to continue to grow. And for every, you know, bad miss or miss like that, which isn't even a bad miss, but uh, a miss, there is like eight or nine just phenomenal, superb plays. So you always just tip your cap and you just work on the ones that you can get better at. And I think Brock will. Um, and I think he's just going to keep getting better and better. I like what he's doing at the quarterback position. Very comfortable with him. And part of the reason I'm more comfortable is the offensive line was fantastic in this game, I mean from run blocking to pass blocking they really were good. Now just like always, there's mistakes, little things you can get better on, technique flaws, um maybe not operating within the offense the way you're supposed to, uh, but for the most part they were getting on guys, they were getting to the second level, uh they were doing a good job. Now Jake Brindle had a huge miss on uh Deron Payne down near the goal line that caused the 49 to not get a second touchdown. They had a settle for a field goal. I will say this, on that play, I firmly believe, and I don't know if we'll get any clarification from Chris Furster, I firmly believe with Ron Payne playing uh, one technique, which is the inside shade of the guard, that Vincent Burford should have helped. Um, That is a tough block to be able to get over and reach in that sort of situation for Jake Brendel against a player of Payne's caliber, uh, with Burford just getting barely any hand on. He should have gave a little bit more effort there, and then pushed up to the second level with you only needing one or two yards. That would have allowed McCaffrey a crease to be able to get up in there. I thought that was a little bit of an interesting one. And then I also thought it was interesting on the screen where McCaffrey lost yardage. Uh, Spencer Burford did nothing, and in fact Jake Brendel didn't either uh, to disguise that they were going to be going out for a screen. They didn't make any contact with the offensive line or with the defensive lineman. Uh, they didn't push on him. They didn't pull him. They didn't do anything, and. Because of that, uh, Jonathan Allen ran right out out there and almost uh, took Christian McCaffrey down as soon as he caught the ball. So those were some limit; those are some mistakes in technique. Uh, when you're running screen game, you got to be a good actor. You got to go out there and make sure you make contact, make them feel like you're trying to block them. And Brendel didn't get a hand on him as help, and Spencer Burford barely touched him at all, and so he just wandered right over into the area, which is as troubling because if they would have blocked it better, uh, it probably would have been a big play for Christian McCaffrey. He might even have scored a touchdown. So we need to make sure they execute better. On the other side, though, uh, I thought John Feliciano did a great job on the execution of the screen. and Of course, Colton McKivis and Trey Williams did a good job as well. The good news is, though, even though there was negative plays, they blocked well. There's a couple really great blocks from Spencer Burford, and overall it was just a solid performance from the 49ers, and it gives Aaron Banks more time to get ready. At some point, Banks will come back, Feliciano will flip the right guard, and the 49ers will feel very comfortable with their offensive line, especially once Spencer Burford becomes the first guy in as a backup because he's he did play better in this game, and I thought he did a lot better in pass protection. So that's good news for the 49ers. So let's flip it up. Let's talk about defense. Uh, the 49ers struggled against double teams up front, and this has just a, been a consistent problem and a problem more consistent since uh, Eric... Armstead got hurt. And what you see is a lot of times Javon Kinlaw, Kevin Givens, uh, they just get put on skates, and they start getting pushed back. And whenever you're a defensive lineman in the NFL and you're giving up four or five yards on some plays, uh, you need to do it better. I thought that the pad level for Javon Kinlaw wasn't as good as I've seen it. I thought he was uninspired in the first half, and to me, he just didn't look as good as normal. I thought in the second half, it was a way different Javon Kinlaw. He was holding ground better. He was getting into the backfield. Uh, he was playing uh, with awareness, you know, play going to the left side. He's scrambling. Javon Kinlaw takes away the gap, runs with him. So I thought where we saw a little bit of struggles for Javon Kinlaw in the first half as far as double teams, I thought he fixed that in the second half. Does help that the 49ers took the lead and were forcing the commanders to be uh, trying to win more through the air. But I thought besides that second quarter, the 49 did really good against the run game. Stopping and limiting it, but uh, it's definitely a concern. I think the 49ers need Eric Armstead back, and of course we know he will be back for the divisional round, and I think they need to get Sebastian Joseph Day up to speed. I thought he looked pretty good. I liked his hands. I liked his eyes. He was uh, getting his hands on and then being able to create separation and locate the running back in the backfield. He played 11 snaps, and I expect him to play more against the Rams, and I think if we can see him build on that performance, the 49ers might have something there as far as rotation. This is a guy that played two-gap, uh, so he was responsible for two gaps, and that means he had to play really tough against the the run. He had to play with great leverage, and he had to have heavy and strong hands, and he does, so I want to see continued development from Sebastian Joseph Day, and with him having a second week within this uh, defense, I fully expect him to. Uh, screens were a struggle, like usual. Just uh, w- The four-year's aggressive style leaves them susceptible to screens. And it was a problem again. And uh, Fred and Dre are doing everything they can to stop it. I saw a couple of times, you know, Kevin Givens be on the right track and lose his feet. Um, So they did tidy it up a little bit in the second half. They got to where they were paying more attention to the screens. But that's a concern. I think if there are two concerns for the 49ers going into the playoffs right now, it would be being able to stop uh, double team blocks or duo blocks and also being able to limit the effectiveness of screens. I think some of that, though, will be better with Armstead, right? Better with Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, and then we'll just have a more healthy hardgrave as well to go with Kinlaw and Givens. That rotation should be superb. And because of that rotation, they should be more healthy, more rested, able to run after screens. Uh, but those veteran players, Armstead, Hargrave, and Joseph Day, uh, they're really good at understanding and being aware of when screens are coming. And I think that they can track it and make some plays for the Niners And I'll give Kevin Givens his due. He does pretty good at it as well. Kinlaw also made a play on one uh, during this football game. The quick release by Sam Howe early was the real reason that the commanders were able to move the ball um, on that second drive. And uh, I'll be honest, the commanders kind of did some different things than they had done in the past. And you saw what you saw from uh, Eric bien was a little bit of a pull from what they did against the 49ers with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2022 taking advantage of getting on the edge uh, with wide receivers, being able to run those jet sweeps, and they ran that to Terry McLaurin. And that kind of opened some things up. So uh, you saw him take a little bit of a sample out of what they did in Kansas City and pull it over to the Washington Commanders, and it had some effectiveness. So uh, the conversations are always right. Double-team at the point attack against the Niners, run the screen game against the 49ers, and take advantage of their aggressiveness, and then burden their edge defenders by running jet sweeps. And that's exactly what they did in this game. So they were trying to take advantage of all those areas. Not sure it worked. They only scored 10 points. So uh, it was a a interesting game plan. It worked in the second quarter. Terry McLaurin had some big plays on that drive and that second quarter explosion uh, between McLaurin, uh, the runs by Brian Robinson. Uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty superb. And the 40 yards had to step up and make plays and they ended up doing it. But, uh, Lenore and Ambry Thomas giving up the big plays. I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Number one, uh, Ambry Thomas gives up the touchdown in the end zone. And, you know, he's running a fade pattern. I, I mean, at the moment, I was disappointed. Now now that I know he went into the game with a broken hand, uh, you go back and you watch the play, you have a basic understanding of why he's defending it the way he is and why he's trying to knock it, knock it away the way he is. He's not being more physical uh, with the other offhand. I will say this. I think Ambry Thomas would have played that play a lot different. It probably wouldn't have been as effective. Uh, So I tip my cap to Ambry Thomas for just going out there competing and battling to help his football team. Now he has surgery, and he'll be recovering soon, and they expect him to be back for the divisional round. So uh, I thought that overall Ambry Thomas played pretty good, especially the fact that he had a broken hand. When it comes to Diomoto Lenore, he gave up the big slot fade. And like I always say, in this defense, it's so hard to stop a slot fade if you're Diometer Lenore. Uh, they were also, you know, got that whole field to their disposal. It was at the opposing hash mark, which means they had a lot of room for Terry McLaurin to be able to drift towards the sideline. Got some separation. He made a play. Um, Steve Wilkes, being the gambler that he was, was in zero coverage. Which means he had man coverage across the board. Lenore had no help. Uh, You got to have a lot of faith in Diomito Lenore to do that. He does. And Lenore got caught one time. But that's a tough play. Uh, You can't allow that guy to get a free release to the outside and then be able to drift away from you. Uh, But savor the flavor. It probably won't happen again. It was a good executed play. But let's be honest, Diomito Lenore had his hands all over the football in this game. First drive of the game, he nearly has an interception. He's playing behind the receiver, jumps around him, nearly picks it off. That was a huge play. That was third down. Ended up causing a punt. And then later in the game, he jumps in front of an offensive player and makes an interception. So Diomero Lenore was in and around the ball a lot. Uh, The hyena getting and making sure he's there to make plays. It was fantastic to see. He's already bringing physicality. Now he's bringing the ability for turnovers, and that's exactly what you need. And he's getting led the way by Tarverius Ward. Uh, Mooney, as he calls himself, AP Mooney, All-Pro Mooney. I got his hand on his fifth interception of the season. He's having a superb year and he just might be in line for an all pro. Uh, The fact he's being referred to as a ball hawk is huge considering how many pass breakups he had compared to interceptions. So uh, definitely excited about those two guys and how they're playing and how the 49ers are being aggressive with their quarterbacks and how it's developing into interceptions. 49ers have had 21 interceptions this year. That's second best in the NFL. They have been great. And Lenore, and Charverius Ward are a big reason why, that's for sure. Uh, Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan saw his first start of the season, and I thought he looked really good against the pass. I thought one thing I noticed on film that was interesting, the 49ers were willing to put Logan Ryan and Tayshawn Gibson one-on-one with Jahan Dotson and others. Uh, that's a that's a slot-wide receiver, and you're willing to put your safety one-on-one. We know Logan Ryan has legit coverage skills considering he came into this league as a corner For the New England Patriots, but uh, that's showing a lot of faith. I would say this about Logan Ryan: I thought he looked really good against the pass. They never threw the ball his way, which means he probably had pretty good coverage. That's happened for Jair Brown as well, so we'll see if it's game plan or what it is. Uh, I did see him around the football some, but I will say he's not as good as Jair Brown as far as helping in run fits. Jair Brown comes downhill like a guided missile. Uh, It makes a lot of big tackles. He's a sure tackler most of the time. So I think that, you know, you have your give and take where Logan Ryan's better against the pass, he's a better communicator. He's a better, ve- he's a more veteran player. Uh, Jair Brown gives you the ability to come up aggressively and stop the run. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with Jair. Uh, don't think he's going to play this week. We'll see what his availability is for the divisional round. This is an opportunity for Logan Ryan to consistently get more playing time. So we'll see. But I thought Logan Ryan looked pretty good in this game against the pass. Not bad angles in the run game, but maybe not as physical at the point of attack as I would like. Uh, But still, I want to see how he does in Game 2. It was his first game of the season, and who knows? He might just step up and make some big plays like Tayshawn Gibson. And then last, Steve Wilkes was absolutely fantastic. He was just so good in the second half. He had so many different looks and disguises. Uh, Sam Howell didn't know what he was looking at. Then he was bringing some very elaborate blitzes uh, they were exotic. They were coming from different spots. He was blitzing safeties, corners. Uh, he was dropping out defensive lineman Randy Gregory in coverage on Logan Thomas. Or if he dropped off Javon Kinlaw as far as a fire zone blitz. It was just a lot of different looks for him. Steve Wilkes, he was going zero. He was running palms. He had so many different coverages. It was really good to watch. Uh, it was confusing Sam Howell, And I think that's what led do some of the interceptions of the second half. But I thought his looks, the way he attacked with the defensive line and linebackers using blitzes, uh, took the pressure off of the defensive line to stop the run game. And ultimately, once the 49ers got up, uh, the commanders had to turn away from the run a lot and go more to the passing game. And when that happened, Steve Wilkes has dialed them up and went after him, shut them out in the second half. That's exactly what you're tasked to do. So uh, Wilkes had himself a really good game. 49ers' defense looked good in the second half, real good, in fact. And we'll see if that carries over. The 49ers are going to have some big decisions on how many players are going to play this week. I think we can expect to see uh, Logan Ryan getting some playing time, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, probably Jason Verrett. Uh, We're going to get to see those guys in action, maybe some Robert Beal Jr. extra time for Randy Gregory. Uh, This is going to be a good opportunity for 49ers role players to get some playing time. And now we're going to get to get even more film on all them. That's going to be a lot of film next week. That's going to be fun to watch. Like always, if you want to watch the breakdowns, head on over to Patreon. Film breakdowns available over there. Uh, there's also standalone shows like the Ant Hill show, the Slightly Offsides, Sides, uh, It and Classic show, full shows available over on Patreon. So if you want to check those out, uh, like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on the push for 5K. Listening on audio platform, 49ers Cut Back on Believe. Please give it a five star rating. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Hope to catch you guys all on the next one. Lots of content coming your way. But until then, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers.